0: I think the biggest thing with recruiting and training a new employee is follow a process. Whatever that is, whatever that means to you, identify the process and follow it. Because legally and just even feeling good about the person coming in, there's so many questions in a a leader's mind that is, are they going to work out? Did I do the right thing? You know, all those pesky little self-doubt questions. And the thing is, if you follow a process, a lot of those questions diminish.
1: Are you ready to make your first hire for your small business? We're talking all about that today with Jessica Hardling. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. This podcast is brought to you by Wingnut Social, a marketing agency specializing in amplifying luxury brands across the U.S. and Canada. For more information, go to wingnutsocial.com. And now it's time for Mini News Sesh. Mini News Sesh. It's time for Mini News. Mini News Sesh. Yeah! Yeah! Okay, now for this week's mini-news sesh, of course, we're welcoming back Shayna Heinrissey, who is the director of Wingnut Social. Shana, what do you have for the listeners this week?
2: Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the best types of media for Facebook and Instagram. I think that the answer might actually surprise a lot of people out there. Oh,
1: this is so good. We get so many people over at Wingnut are like, what should I be posting on different platforms? So, okay, let's dive in. We'd love to be surprised. So let's do it.
2: Okay. So we're going to talk about Instagram first, and this is based on our own data Uh, We collect data and we code things and really analyze like what's performing best. So this is based on our own data. We do a bunch of data and analysis. We code things in your posts to make certain that we are really tracking what's performing best within the design industry. And this is also confirmed by all those social media industry experts out there as well. What we have found fits what they are saying
1: as well. So Okay, so you're saying we have some credibility.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't think a lot of people know that Wingnut is collecting data ourselves, that we have data about what's working on social in the design industry.
1: You know, that's a really good point. And that's, that's my fault, because I don't put it out there. Because you know you know how it is when you're doing something, you kind of take it for granted that everybody knows that you're doing it. But thank you for bringing that up. Okay, so let's start out with Instagram. What kind of posts tend to, to do better on Instagram? And then we'll contrast and compare. So
2: the best are images, just single image, single photo. Second would be video. And third would be carousels. So a lot of people think, you know, video is king for Instagram and for all social. Right. Well, yeah, for Instagram, it doesn't tend to perform as well in your feed as images do. There's some exceptions to this. Really we'll talk about.
1: Really? Because I'd always heard that, you know, the video with the views and everything, that was kind of like the secret sauce. So the videos in the feed, you're saying not so much the magic sauce.
2: Yeah, no. They actually don't get as much engagement generally as the images do. Huh. Now carousels, uh get less engagement than any of them. So we always kind of discourage carousels unless there's a really strong reason you need to do the carousel because it does tend to limit the engagement you get. And most people honestly aren't going to see the other images that you've posted.
1: You mean in the carousel, they're less likely to swipe through? Yeah. I have heard that, that the carousels don't really do as well. I mean, I like to look at before and afters and in the design industry, there's a lot of that. Here's the after, here's the before or vice versa but not really good performers. And that's something to keep in mind if you want to increase your reach or to, or to get new followers. But if you really just want to show off the before and after, would you discourage it or it's still okay to use every now and then?
2: Use every now and then. Okay, Don't use it that often, but every now and then. And before and after is a good idea. Sometimes I see designers putting, like they just finished a product uh, project. Mm-hmm. So they put all of their pictures from that project in a carousel. Instead, use those as single posts and people will see a lot more of those finished images. So don't bury your, you know, finished great design images in a carousel. You
1: know, that's a good point, especially with, you know, needing content to put on your feed. Why are you going to blow it all in one shot? Just, you know, string that out. Keep them waiting. (laughs) Okay, so getting back a little bit to videos on Instagram, I do know that the reels are performing really well and we have that option to put that in the feed. Is that... Is that the same as a video in the feed or is that a special exception?
2: that's different. Reels are an exception. And we've been finding with our clients that Reels are performing really well, sometimes getting like four times the amount of impressions that like a regular post would. So one of the things we've been using Reels for a lot and seeing success with is like quote graphics, you can just put a little bit of animation in them and suddenly they're a video.
1: Really? So just like static quote graphics, make a few moving parts, put it in reels and we're good to go.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it'll perform much better than that quote if you were to just like put a single quote graphic in your feed.
1: Do you recommend for us to put the thumbnail in the feed post since it is like a little video kind of preview or no, just? Keep it to reels.
2: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Put it in your feed. Now, there might be times when you have something that you don't think really goes in your feed, and then you don't have to. Mm -hmm. But if you have a, a good image or a nicely created graphic, and you've animated it, go ahead and put it in the feed.
1: Okay, cool. All right. So let's see what you have here. Last but not least, graphics. Graphics are performing poorly. You have here. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah. Generally really any type of graphics, sometimes it's a, a sales graphic <laughs> or a graphic for your blog, yeah. or a, you know, a quote graphic, they always tend to perform poorly out of the Types of Instagram posts, but sometimes there's reasons to use them. You know, sometimes a graphic helps to establish your expertise or it can showcase a testimonial for you. Those are important things to put out there, even if it doesn't perform the greatest. And that's why we really suggest animating them and making them a real.
1: Okay. So maybe the infographic posts and stuff are more suited for Pinterest or Facebook. Are we talking? Let's get into Facebook now.
2: Yeah. So with Facebook, Video is number one. Okay. Video is definitely the best type of media that you should be putting on Facebook. If you have videos, uh, they do perform really well. Then images, and then finally links.
1: Why do you think that is? Is it just the way the page is laid out? Is it the the demographic of the audience of Facebook? Why would it be so different? I mean, Facebook owns both.
2: Yeah, I think it's the Facebook algorithm. Okay you know, the algorithms are different, and they're privileging certain things. And Instagram right now has all its new features that it really wants to privilege. Facebook, not as much. And Facebook really, really pushed uh, Facebook Lives, and now they have Facebook Watch. Mm -hmm. So I think they're still really encouraging video placement on there. And it could be that people are more willing to watch a video on Facebook than they are on Instagram. There's a different sort of expectation. People might be engaging with longer form content rather than just looking at pretty pictures when they're on Facebook.
1: Do you think some of that has anything to do with the aspect ratio and the visibility of the video compared to you know, looking at a feed? Because I, well, I, you know, I'm a woman of a certain age. When I'm looking at Instagram, the, it's smaller, you know, on my mobile. But when I'm on Facebook, it's usually on my desktop or I can you put it in that horizontal, um, what's the word, that 16 by 9 ratio for video. It's just easier for the demographic to see? Or do you think I'm just blowing smoke out of my butt?
2: You know, it fills the whole screen on your phone, mm-hmm. either way you're looking at it. Oh, so true. Instagram, yeah. Yeah, that's true. you know, it'll fill the It'll fill that whole space. OK, so, yes, it
1: is confirmed. I am blowing smoke out of my butt. OK, what next? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe people of certain ages prefer certain formats of video, though.
1: That's that possible. could be. I yeah. mean, we're
2: really used to horizontal video. I do
1: know that on Facebook recently, Jerry Cerruti who's a good friend of mine. Uh, the Jerry Cerruti on Instagram just did. Was it 21 days of Christmas stories and advent calendar? And I, I really enjoyed that. And I, I'm i hard pressed to watch video anywhere, especially on Instagram. But Facebook will grab me. yeah. Okay, what's next?
2: Well, links, I would highly encourage you to use as few links as possible. One is on all social platforms. The platform itself doesn't want people leaving the platform. So usually the algorithms will push links deeper and you'll get less engagement, less people will see your post. It won't be shown to as many people because they want you to use ads. And so we do encourage that. Use ads. If your goal is to drive people to your website, organic social isn't the best for that. Ads will be better on Facebook and on other platforms. Okay.
1: So if you do want to use a link to your podcast or to your blog, you'd recommend throwing a little money behind that to mitigate that algorithm- situation?
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'd actually not suggest boosting them. Okay. I would suggest just creating ads. From the
1: ad manager from, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Don't create posts and then boost those posts instead. Yeah. It's kind of a
1: waste of money to do that. All right. Yeah. Just create an ad for it. All right. Very cool. Any, any last things to add before we get into our interview with Jessica?
2: The top posts on Facebook tend to be inspirational. Funny or practical. So, not a lot of educational information on Facebook oh, okay. unless it's very how to, very practical, like something they could implement
1: today. All right. Awesome. Great tips. Good to know. Thank you so much for joining us today, Shana. We appreciate it. I'll see you later. Thanks. It's many new sesh. Yeah. yeah. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, Darla Jethro Powell, and happy freaking New Year. Happy 2021. We're in it. Life is moving on. Things are looking up for sure, hope you guys are doing really well and you had a terrific holiday season. Today, we're talking all about making that hire, making that first hire, if for some of you out there, I know that the last quarter of 2020 for a lot of the interior design industry was incredibly lucrative with people staying at home, not traveling, spending money on the house that they're stuck in. So maybe you're out there thinking, I wanna hire some help, I wanna make that, I wanna hire that designer or that bookkeeper, but I'm a little lost in the sauce on how to go about that. So, we are discussing that today with Jessica Harling. And I have to tell you from personal experience, I wish that I had had this podcast <laughs> before I made my first hire at the design firm, because let's just say mistakes were made, right? I don't know from hiring as the first person I ever hire. So, you know, you want to make sure where do we reach out? What are the best avenues to hire from? What are we looking for? How do we protect ourselves? How do we not make mistakes? So, we're going to cover all of that in today's episode for you to make sure that you guys are squared away. Before we get into my interview with Jessica, let me tell you a little bit about her. Jessica Harling is a fourth-generation window treatment specialist and the founder of Behind the Design and leading expert in employee engagement for design organizations. Her specialty in recruiting, training, and process development drives innovative and high-producing results while keeping your team inspired. Okay, so you guys ready to hire? Let's find out. Wingnuts help me in welcoming Jessica Harling to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Jessica Harling. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I'm great. Uh, happy New Year to you. Oh my gosh, we're in the first part of January here in the new year that hopefully is not going to be any more murder hornets or a dumpster fire. <laughs> so, right. I'm so happy to have you here. And I, I was telling the Wingnuts in the intro that for some strange, crazy reason, the last quarter of 2020 it seemed very lucrative for the interior design industry. And I know I no, that so there have to be people listening out there who are like, oh my gosh, I need to hire. I'm ready to hire my first person out there and I don't want them to run into the same problems I did. So we're going to help them navigate that. Are you ready to go? Are you game? I am ready. (laughs) All right. Awesome, Jessica. I I love it. So how I was telling the audience is when I hired someone, I just kind of, I don't know if I said this in the intro, but I I just kind of put an ad out on LinkedIn and and pulled stuff out of my butt, you know, for a designer, a design assistant, and a lot of mistakes were made. I didn't have any of the proper documentation in place. I had no idea exactly what it was that I was looking for. So before we we really dive in, just tell us a little bit about your background. What makes you such an expert in this field? And we'll get started.
0: Sure. Well, I've been recruiting and hiring, training employees for longer than a decade. Um, We'll just say a decade
2: at this
1: point. (laughs) There's no shame Uh, here. We're not ageists here. (laughs) Um,
0: And when I first started, I was in a window covering business. I had come from teaching, so I had a great education background, but totally new to window coverings And it was amazing to me after conference and, and show and, you know, leadership after consultant, everything, every question came to be the same when I went to these conferences and it was, how do you find people and how do you keep them in your business? And no one had the answer. I mean, it was astounding to me that no one had the answer. So I kept researching, I kept practicing things that I thought in theory would work and after the decade of, of practice and, <laughs> and figuring it out, it clicked, you know, and all of a sudden, I was bringing in 10, 20, 30 people a year to keep up with the growth. And, you know, that kind of spawned me to open up my own recruiting business.
1: Wow. So how did you get that keen eye to pick the proper candidate for the specific clientele? Does that have anything to do with your directing background?
0: I'm sure it does. We learn a lot about observation and acting and directing. That's, um, you know, what I went to school for. But it also is knowing what you want. As a business owner, as a leader, you have to know what you want first Mm -hmm. in order to find what you're looking for.
1: How much of it is knowing what you want versus knowing what you need? And how do you differentiate what the actual critical step is there? What the critical need is there before you reach out to say, okay, I can't be a solopreneur anymore. I got to give some hats away.
0: So knowing what you want is a little bit of need. So in terms of percentage, I would say it's 75% of what you want. And that need is identifying what is working and not working within your own self of your business. So if you're a solopreneur and um, you are the main salesperson, you're the financial consultant, you're all those things... Figure out in yourself what you're good at, what you're not good at, and hire the people that will fill some of your weaknesses.
1: Okay. So let's say my audience, small business owners, a majority of my audience is in in the interior design industry. Susan McNuggets, the interior designer for the Wingnut Social podcast, is overwhelmed with clients, and she's thinking, okay, I have to delegate something out here. What do you recommend for interior designers, and in specifically to start out with as far as delegating our, for our first hire? Would that be bookkeeping, or do we just dump into interior design, or help us out there?
0: So part of it is going back to those strengths and weaknesses. If you are awesome at the books, don't delegate the books. Okay. If you are awesome at sales, don't delegate sales. If you are growing and and adding one person on, you really have to find what your weaknesses are or those things that don't bring you joy, and then find someone that it does bring them joy. So for example... For most interior designers, it's bringing on admin support. So that might mean tracking the procurement items. You know, if you're bringing in furniture, it could be following up with a customer and just sending thank you notes after you design for them. So. For a lot, it's the administrative portion, and it's looking at your day-to-day of all the tasks you have in front of you, which ones can you bring in or save the company the most money, and which ones are able to be delegated that is more of those smaller tasks.
1: I like that a lot. You know, you said the things that I'm paraphrasing, but that don't bring you joy and delegating outside of your scope. Like, if you're in the interior design industry, I'm imagining that you got into it because you love design, but maybe you don't like some of those administrative tasks, or it's, and that is a terrific thing to delegate out, especially at your hourly rate. I'm terrible at the books. The first hire I ever made was a bookkeeper, and that went really well. But I did find that there were some struggles when I I hired a junior designer, a designer to do some of the stuff that I loved. That was a little bit of a learning curve there because it took some of that fire from me and the design side for sure. So just my own, <laughs> my own experience. Now my team is amazing. I love them because I've learned from expensive mistakes. So if we want to avoid those expensive mistakes and we're putting out an ad, we're getting that hire out there. I'm telling you from personal experience, it's an overwhelming thing to put together the job description to figure out do I put this on LinkedIn, do I put this out on an Indeed, do I put it in architectural digest AD Pro? Where are the resources? Where do we even begin to look to place an ad before going to like an agency like yours?
0: So there's a couple of techniques that I would use. And it really depends on the type of person that you're looking for. But let's take a step back for a second. In in marketing, you brand a company and you want through your marketing channels to have that brand sing through. And that's the first thing you got to do is you got to be true to your own brand. You have to be true to what your company is capable of doing. So you're not necessarily going to bring on a $80,000 person and therefore you need to invest a lot of money to find that person. You might just need the $15 an hour person that you can find from a a friend referral. Mm -hmm. So a couple places, you can look. Um, social media is an awesome network to pull from your own network. That would be the, the first place if you don't have a lot of money to go towards with social media. You also want to use your network of referrals. You as a business owner, you have clients, you have contractors, you have vendors. Those are people that can help fill the funnel of what you're looking for, at least spread the word that Mm -hmm. you are looking for someone. And then even in that branding, making sure that your reviews on Indeed or Glassdoor are up to par. Meaning if you have a big team and you're just adding to that team, have your current team write a review of what it's like to work for the company because that brand gets amplified when people are searching for your company. They are looking for other feedback from your customers, your employees on what it's like to work for you.
1: I can tell you speaking from experience that putting an ad on Indeed, and this, this is leading to my next question, is overwhelming. Because I get so many responses and so much stuff to ferret through. Is that where you would recommend? I mean, you did say social media, so we we have done that as well. But if you want to get really specific and get a ton of candidates, Indeed has been, or, or the other job agencies out there, would you recommend doing that? As well as doing the social media posts at the same time, because I'm telling you, you can get lost in the sauce for <laughs> with that for sure. I'm telling, you, I've got we put out an ad for Wingnut Social for sales, and I got thousands of applications. I was like, oh hell no, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> Is there like a more niche down besides the social media <laughs> or something? Yeah, I for, I just cried. I just cried yeah. and said
2: no. <laughs> It is.
0: It's a lot of resumes to kind of glaze yeah. over. Yeah. And glaze um, is the key
1: word, is in my eyes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you touched on it real well. I definitely recommend Indeed, ZipRecruiter, LinkedIn. Okay. Those are the top platforms that I like to use. And to help narrow it down from there. So when you place the ad, we want to give them a couple of tests or hoops that they have to jump through. And one of those tests could be give a cover letter in your application. And so for you, that's getting a thousand different resumes. If you know a hundred of them have cover letters and the rest do not only look at the ones that have cover letters that immediately narrows it down for you and you can also do questionnaires part of indeed will ask you you know what are the four questions we want to ask this candidate as they apply so both of those things will help you narrow it down very quickly so you're not going through you know resumes that you don't want to
1: i'm glad you said that because i had a thing for my ad for designers and actually for the sales for wingnet where the assessment where there's a phone interview or something on there where where I can hear how they comport themselves and if they speak professionally. And I have to tell you, 9 out of 10 did not do it. And I just X, xed X deleted it. So, and I felt kind of felt like a bitch for doing that, but you're saying that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's what we want. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I don't feel so bad then because I was feeling, man, I'm being really lazy, not going all over these. I'm just going to X them out. But I guess in my defense and in not their defense, they couldn't follow instructions. It was pretty clear that this is what we're looking for. And if that that's an indication that they're not going to follow through. Same thing on when we put, Ads on social media, please send your curriculum vitae, however you say that, or your resume. I'm trying to be fancy and it failed. Um, <laughs> to this email at you so and so. Half of them wouldn't do it. They'd DM us or, and, and be like, okay. You can't follow simple Okay. So I don't feel so bad. I was really like, oh I'm such a bitch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Turn on boss lady mode and just do it.
1: <laughs> okay, well that that's amazing to know for sure. So you know what one, one thing I did want to talk to you about and this I'm probably getting ahead of myself and if I am rein me in. Was about the assessments say you're not on Indeed, but I know that there's personality assessments. The, what is it, the Briggs-Myers and all that stuff? Is that just fun, good times, like finding out, oh, I'm a Taurus with my, a sun rising and Leo or whatever? Or is it really <laughs> helpful to do those, those personality assessments and stuff? I feel kind of weird about assessing someone's personality for a professional position. Is that wrong? Is it okay to do that?
0: it's actually critical for you to do that okay so it certainly is is fun to look at <laughs> but it really is more about their characteristics are they capable and competent to do the role in the personality that they have so best example I can give let's say you're adding that person that's administrative and let's say their role is they have to call every single customer that you've sold and they need to status them and they're going to be making 20 calls a day well if they don't like talking on the phone like I'm not a big phone talker I would not apply for that job you know I, I want to be in front of people so yeah, same I would not look for those that are a little bit skittish about being on the phone we want the ones that are like hell yeah this is the <laughs> this is what I want to do every day
1: <laughs> yeah that would be me I'm not a phone person I am, I'm more of like a being in front of people too which is crazy. It's, it doesn't make any sense, right? <laughs> but text me, don't call me. Text. Uh, yeah, but right. so that, those were some of the mistakes I made in the beginning. I felt like I was being discriminatory for doing some kind of aptitude assessment or, you know, just the face-to-face, do I like you, Do I, your resume looks good, okay, let's get started. And definitely mistakes are made.
0: I'd love to add a, a word of caution. You use the word discriminatory. Mm-hmm. the The way that it would be discriminatory is if you don't test every single person. If you get down to the line and you've got only you know three left and you're trying to make a decision on those three, and then you test them, that's actually against the e- EOC ah, okay. compliance. So you have to test everyone that comes through, which is why Indeed is having that part of their service their process oh, so okay. it's, it's actually a legal thing that you should be testing everyone
1: okay good that makes me feel better that makes sense then it doesn't really feel so di- it's like I used to be a cop before I became an interior designer and it's kind of like that with DUI checkpoints so <laughs> 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 but I digress all right Jessica so now legally we know that we can assess personalities for the job to make sure that the aptitude fits where are some resources that the listeners can go find those to navigate that
0: so two of the assessments that I personally love, one is called the predictive index and the other is called fascinate. Both are very unique. Both serve a great purpose, but those would be similar to like a DISC or a Myers-Briggs, um, that sort of personality assessment that tells us about the strengths and weaknesses of the candidate that we're talking about. But there's other tests that you have available to you in the process. You know, we talked about adding a cover letter, rec- Quest in the the actual ad, having a questionnaire once they apply, um, but you can also part of the process have them do homework along the way. So it might be after your first phone interview that you ask them to bring a hard copy of their resume to the in person interview. And I can't tell you how many times I have asked someone to do this, and then they show up and they're like, "Oh, I I thought you had it already." <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I asked you to bring it, so. <laughs> You weren't quite listening. <laughs> but it could be bring your portfolio, even though as mm-hmm. interior designers, you may not think that their experience of design may be important because it's your brand, your design aesthetic. That's true. It's still a test. You know, it's still mm-hmm. bring your portfolio. Do you have something that you can show us? Or it could be a shadow. If, if both parties are on the fence and you're not sure that they are cut out as, you know, a designer or salesperson, whatever you want to bring in, bring them in for a half day, bring them in for a day and have them be a part of the culture, see how you and them get along together. And you can even have them shadow another person in your organization if you have a team, because then you get feedback from that team too. So there's a lot of different tests that you can do in the process.
1: This is it. 2021 New Year's resolutions. Is your website in decent shape? Is it optimized for SEO? Well, it's that time of year when we make new goals for our businesses, and it's time to do a deep dive into your website and make sure that it's living up to its full SEO potential. That's search engine optimization. It's what drives the Googles. It's like Google juice that gets ideal clients to pick up the phone and give you a call. And did you know that Wingnut Social offers a full website SEO audit? That's absolutely 100% correct. You can purchase it directly from the website. And let me tell you, this isn't just any BS printed run-of-the-mill SEO audit because Wingnut Social digs in where others don't go. We explore all of your technical web stats and dive into the back end of your website – that's what she said – to check for things that most SEO audits don't even examine. We look at things such as your metadata, information architecture, naming conventions, SEO optimization of your content, and so much more. All of this helps us to formulate a plan so you can optimize your website for the search results that you want in order to attract your ideal clients. For more information on the SEO audit, please hop on over to wingnutsocial.com/seo or give us a call at 1877wingnut. That's wingnutsocial.com/seo or 1877wingnut. I Absolutely love that idea. And that is something I hadn't even given some thought. Just say, okay, junior designer, we think that you'd be a good fit. How would you feel about coming in this week for a couple half days? But of course, you're, we're paying them, right? We're not, it's not slave labor. How does that work? <laughs> so
0: it depends. If you bring them in just to test them out, you would have to pay them. Okay. But if it is uh, a one day, Even if it's a full day, you do not have to pay them if they're not doing work for you and they're just showing up, like bring your daughter to work day.
1: Like a ride-along. Okay. Oh, that is amazing. Okay. So you mentioning about the homework, you can give them things to do or, or bring in the portfolio. I know at Wingnut that my director, Shana Heinrich, who was on earlier, will have them do writing tests or give them some images and say, show us how you would write a caption for this or what hashtags would you choose for this for our clients? How much testing on that level can you give somebody or how much i don't want to say free work cuz that's not what that's not what the aim is behind but how much work can you have someone do to prove their mettle before you start getting into a slippery slope of well you know i have to start paying this person <laughs> <laughs> right
0: so think about it as little tasks little you know um hurdles to mm-hmm. jump over like an audition yeah, exactly. Okay. And I, I would just go along the process. So, you know, after the phone interview, have a test. After the in-person interview, if you're going to bring them in a second time, have a test. And that two is is enough. So two, three, four, five, it doesn't matter. But you don't want to overcommit to them thinking that they have the job. It's still consistently saying, this is a test. <laughs> Once <laughs> you get through this, this is the next step, you know, and letting them know what the timeline is to
1: bringing them on board. What's a reasonable number of hoops to have to jump through without them saying, oh my God, just give me the job already. (laughs) Four, five, three, what's reasonable without looking like a control freak?
0: So it kind of depends on where you're at in business. My favorite number in the universe is three. So if you can do things three different ways, three different times, you're going to get a good sampling of what you're looking at. I wouldn't do maybe more than five steps in your recruiting process. I think that is getting to a point where you, you should know, you should analyze what is happening. But three to five would be a good
1: number. And at what point do you start talking Benjamins with them at stage one, stage f- Three stage. And do you ask them, do you say what kind of salary you're expecting or just plop it down and say, here's what we're paying you? (laughs)
0: So my theory is that you talk money early and often. Okay. They need to know most people are going to do the calculations themselves into what they can support themselves in. So they need to know, and it's always taboo, even in the phone interviews, you know, I always get candidates going, can I ask about compensation? I'm like, yeah, bring it on. I'll tell you about the benefits. I'll tell you about, you know, why we fire people. Like I am going to be a hundred percent transparent because I need them to understand this is what it is. We're not changing it. We're not negotiating it. Now, if you you are willing to negotiate, then you can have a little bit of play with that. Mm-hmm. But I would be totally upfront and transparent from the beginning, from the higher ad, this is what we're paying.
1: Would you even be as transparent and upfront in the, the higher ad or in the very first meeting of this is what we would consider fireable? Sure. Really? Okay. Yeah. This is what we're expecting? Okay
0: yeah, what this is what we're expecting. Mm-hmm. And to put the positive spin on the the fireball, it would be, these are our <laughs> core values. This okay. is make or break. This is how we run our company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're looking for that perfect fit. We know that everyone has a perfect fit somewhere, but our perfect fit is this model of a person.
1: I love it. So let's talk a little bit of the legal stuff, especially in the interior design industry. I know that there's I don't know how effective they are. You're going to tell us non-compete stuff, you know, junior designers and designers that learn with the principal and then a year or so they go off and start their own competitive firm. How realistic is it to hire somebody with the expectation that, okay, you can't quit and go do your own thing? Are there any protections that we can have in place or is it just a pretty piece of paper?
0: A big part of it is the piece of paper. So okay. having some sort of manual, having some sort of policy that they can sign when they come on board, but it's also talking about it in the candidate process, letting them know that we have created you know, such a mark in our business. You're going to learn great things here. And our expectation is that you're going to be here for life.
1: <laughs> kind of that godfather talk. Forever you know? <laughs> and ever. <laughs> and, and
0: that's a good thing. We just need to let them know that that is our expectation. Now, from a legal standpoint, what can hold up? First off, it can't be more than really three years. Anything more than two, three years, the court is going to be in the, the candidate's favor. You mean
1: two or three years post-separation? The Post-separation. Okay, okay. All right. Okay. Right.
0: Of a non-solicitation or non-compete. So two to three years will, will hold up if the candidate has some sort of experience outside of your world. So if they went into your design school and fresh out of interior design school, they go into your business, a judge, if they make the separation and go and open their own business, a judge is actually going to side in the favor of the candidate because you and them only had that experience together fresh out of school. As opposed to someone that went and got a degree for marketing, let's say, just on their resume, it says marketing, and then they got into interior design, a judge will say, well, you could go into interior design in the future, but you could also go into marketing because you have a degree in that marketing. Mm. So it lo- it depends on the background of the candidate and how you can enforce that non-compete.
1: That's super interesting because, you know, at the end of the day, they don't want to keep them from making a living or their livelihood or have people out on the street because they you know, that's fresh out of school for the design side. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, it protects them. And I I don't hate it. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> I, think that that, I think that that's plenty okay. (laughs) Okay, so having all this stuff in place and, and knowing how to do the intakes and the assessments and doing the stages and having someone that can hire it and someone that doesn't feel bad about being a bitch. (laughs) you know, (laughs) saying, no, I'm sorry, you're you're no good or or not emailing you back because you can't follow instructions is very overwhelming. So now I'm getting to the point to where we hire an outside agency to just say, you know what, forget this, just find me an amazing team. And we did do that for our director at Wingnut Social and it worked out amazingly. I got a terrific candidate. I mean, since then we've done it in-house because I have her. So tell us a little bit about the advantages of going with an agency such as yours versus trying to do all this crap all by yourself.
0: So in general, recruiters, because that's what they do for a living and they, you know, to give you some numbers. Recruiters could be on the phone with 20, 30 people a day interviewing, sourcing 20 to 30 people to find the, the one person that you want. So they're, by and large, having more conversations with candidates than you are just on a daily basis. Right. So because of that, they have seen and heard everything. <laughs> um, for example, I I can spot someone in the first phone interview that is going to be wishing washy and not going to follow through just by the way that they're answering certain questions. So the benefit of working with a recruiter is they know a little bit more about candidate responses um, and how to cut through that kind of like you would be as a salesperson cutting through an abduction.
1: All right. So how do you assess compatibility with the interior designer or window treatment professional. And I'm going to ask you if you also do marketing sales. (laughs) But, you (laughs) know, how do you how do you as a third party assess that that's going to be a really good fit? At what point does the interior designer come into the interview process and say, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm vibing with this designer or are, are you out of your mind? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so all recruiters are different. But for for myself, I really dig into the company, the brand, how they operate. I need to know if the owner is present every day or if they're not. It doesn't matter to me. No judgment. But I need to know what the, the culture of the company is like. And then we go through an assessment of frequently asked questions. And that could be about the benefits, the compensation, the schedule, you know, all the nitty-gritty things that the candidates want to find out on that first phone interview. Um, And from there, we then just align what the company culture is, you know what the strengths are of that culture with how the candidates are responding to those things so that it's specific to the company. Because I am not interested in giving a company a candidate that I think is a great salesperson, but that won't work in the company culture. It's not going to work out long term, and my company is built on the brand of reputation, and that's going to go against the reputation. So it's really about finding out at a core how the company and you as a manager, how you operate.
1: And what if you go through and you find the perfect candidate for that interior designer, window treatment person, what do you guys give a guarantee or some kind of money back. Can we return them if they don't work? Out. How, does, how does that work? Because I know that that is one thing that we did have. We hired through, I, I want to say it's Creative Circle for our wingnut social director. And that was, a, that was a game changer for us. It was like, oh Liz, she sucks. You know, just here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I kept the receipt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so having come from an agency myself and being in design and, and owning the company, I felt like there was a missing gap in recruiting. And there's recruiters that are out there that have the guarantee of, you know, they're not getting paid until you have a person that is with your company for a year, whatever mm-hmm. amount of time. Right. But then you're paying 30% of a person's salary, somewhere, you know, upwards of sometimes fifty sixty thousand to that recruiter. And in the interior design business, you you that would put us under, you know, (laughs) in some circumstances. So the way that I approach it is more the HR package. So it's about guaranteeing five candidates that are going to be awesome and that you're going to love, and you just you can pick one or you can pick five. It's a guarantee of the tools that um, you're going to get. So we provide interview questions that we recommend for the position that you're recruiting for mm-hmm. for your in-person interview. We do the phone interview. We do the background check and the reference check. Oh, nice. So it's it's about taking the time off your plate because you've got a whole bunch of other things to work. <laughs>
1: Out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you listen to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I'm a firm believer in delegating outside of your scope of genius, or if you don't have the time in, in letting the experts take care of these things because… Time is money, number one, but you might do it. You might spend twice as much or three times as much time doing it and doing it really crappily. So (laughs) you might as well just go ahead and bite the bullet and delegate it and and get it done correctly. Do you also do consulting or is it just full service? I'm finding the candidate for you. Can you handhold somebody if they kind of want to do a hybrid?
0: Yeah. So part of that mission of, wanting to to have the design business know about recruiting and training is we actually do three parts of um the ex- the employee experience. So we have the recruiting for you leg but if you recruit someone and you don't have a training plan, it could all fall apart for you. (laughs) So We also have a training service that allows people to um, get situated in their role. If they're schedulers, if they're admin, if they're customer service, we'll work with them on what is going to be um, the necessary skills for them to get up to speed in 30 days. So you can come to us for training or you can come to us for coaching. So if you want to put together a recruiting process that you just get candidates in monthly because you're just booming in business. Or we'll put together the training process for you and teach you how to train your new people. Or just in general, your employee manuals and job descriptions. So we are that full package HR service. We want to create dream teams.
1: I love that. And I have to tell you, I, my very first couple of hires weren't so great, but you know, but my, now my team is amazing. But moving forward, if I'm hiring any new design people, I'm definitely going to go to you at Behind the Design. So thank you so much for all these tips. And if you guys do want to do it on your own, there's some resources here that will be in the show notes at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. Have I forgotten to ask you anything that you think that the audience needs to hear before we get into the What Up Wingnut round?
0: I think the biggest thing with recruiting and training a new employee is follow a process. Whatever that is, whatever that means to you, identify the process and follow it. Because legally and just even feeling good about the person coming in, there's so many questions in a a leader's mind that is, are they going to work out? Did I do the right thing? You know, all those pesky little self-doubt questions. And the thing is, if you follow a process, a lot of those questions diminish. So, follow a process when you're bringing in and retaining
1: employees. So, keep it consistent. Have the same kind of filtering, same questionnaires, the same assessment for everybody, and keep it consistent. So you don't leave anything out and you have a system. I love that. It's just like systems and processes and every other step or stage of your business for if you have 10 or 15 steps for your design business or your marketing business, your intake, you know, it's, it's no different. You want to make sure you have quality control there. Awesome. Jessica, now I have to ask you, are you ready for the What Up Wingnut round?
0: I am ready. Now it's time for What Up
1: Wingnut. 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 Jessica Harling, what would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Rockstar. <laughs> oh, that's our first rock star. Very good. All right. Picture this. You are stuck on a deserted island, but you can have only one favorite food. What is it? Go. Tacos. Nice. I like that. And it's kind of tricky because you can put a lot of stuff in a taco. It's very very clever, right? Yeah. It's versatile. You can do a lot of things with it. <laughs> I love a smart lady. Last but not least, please recommend a book that has made you feel some kind of way.
0: Traction by Gina Wickman.
1: Okay. What, what is it? What is Traction? That's one that's not on my list.
0: Traction is all about developing the processes for your business. So it takes a look at your core um, values, your mission and vision, um, the company hierarchy chart, how to let go from that. And one of the biggest things that I I took away from it was – you shouldn't ever build your company around a person. You should build your company first as its own entity and then fit the right people into those positions. So often as a business owner, you, you know, you, I've personally had this where you really love a employee, mm-hmm. but they are not quite suited for a customer service role so you then create this random role within the business and then it's a catch all guilty right? so, <laughs> so it really helps you outline that process um, so that everyone is really gelling in their their positions
1: i have absolutely 100% been guilty of that okay i'm putting that in my audible queue and that also will be in the show notes jessica please tell the listeners with and go find out more about you and your agency behind the design Absolutely.
0: Our website is gobehindthedesign.com. have all of our information up there. Our team pricing frequently asked questions, but we also are on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter.
1: Awesome. Jessica, thank you so much. I'm absolutely 100% going with you for my next hire. Oh, do you do do you do you marketing salespeople? Because I need one desperately. Yes. <laughs> well, oh, do you? Okay. All right. We're going to talk after the show. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Darla. Guys, I have to tell you, where in the hell was Jessica Harling (laughs) when I was trying to hire people for Darla Powell Interiors, my design firm here in Miami? You know, I I did learn a lot, and now I think I have a pretty good grip on it, although I would delegate the hell out of that bad boy, especially after talking to Jessica right now. But it was an expensive learning process for sure, and I had stuff in place that wasn't necessarily legally binding non-competes. I had none of that information. and How interesting was that? I had no idea. Did you guys know? That the non-compete, is was conditional like that. Very interesting. So it's not just like, oh, you can't go do design and make a living because A, B, and C, there there are certain things that have to be taken into consideration by a judge. Here comes the judge for, for sure. I have to tell you too, I was a little bit self-conscious about belaboring the hiring process with steps. I think we have two steps. They go through Shana or they go through me and then that's it. And I was feeling, gosh, how much, how much do we want to stretch this out? But I'm, I'm actually feeling better about saying, okay, now let's have a little, let's have a third round, you know, with this assessment or even coming in. I love the idea of coming in and shadowing and making sure that they do, you know, jive with your team or that you think that they might have the aptitude or, you know, and that protects both of you. Maybe they'll see that, oh my gosh, this is a whack firm. <laughs> I don't want to be here. You can save yourself a lot of heartache. That's a really good thing. Eight hours of shadowing eight hours of shadowing free just to see if you like it. And I guess that makes sense because, you know, when I was a cop, people would go do a ride along. It's kind of a shadow and you you don't have to pay them to do that. It's just they're learning. They're going through to see if that's something that they want to do to work. So that makes a whole lot of sense. And I never, ever, 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 ever in a million years would have thought of it. So thank you so much for that advice, Jessica. Also another thing, I mean, we've put in our ads, it pays this X amount of money or this, but I've never really gone into it in the very first interview. It's always been closer to, uh, okay, we like you. So this is how much we pay. Just to go through those first two sessions or first three sessions to be have them say uh, no. <laughs> or, you know, have them say, oh, I want too much money or, or even us offering them too much money for what, you know, their skill set might be. So it's really good idea to get that out of the way in the very beginning. And also to have a set of systems and processes in place. So the same thing that the first candidate has to jump through, the same amount of sessions, the same amount of vetting, the hundredth candidate has to do. And if you, again, are overwhelmed with all this, just like, you know, outsourcing your social media, outsourcing your marketing, unless you went to marketing school and you have the time to do it. Go ahead and delegate it. Have someone do this for you so you can have the guarantee, you can have the choices, and you can make sure that you have someone in place like that because it's a whole hell of a lot more expensive to get the wrong person in place for your small business. For sure, you're going to waste a lot of money training them, salary for something that just isn't going to work out in the long run. Or worse, you might have legal entanglements or theft or some crazy stuff like that. So it's definitely something to consider is giving Jessica or an agency similar to hers uh, a recruiter, I keep saying agency, but yeah, she, she is an agency, right? A recruiting agency to help you fulfill those needs in the interior design industry or the window treatments industry or evidently the uh, social media marketing sales industry, <laughs> which I'm desperate for. If you know of anybody that's really good at digital agency uh, marketing sales, please send me an email and, and let me know because I, I need someone for sales. All right. That's it for this week, guys. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell you're listening to this podcast on. Follow us on social at WingnetSocial And don't forget, go out, get uncomfortable and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut
0: way. Head over to wingnutsocial.com or call us at 1-877-WINGNUT to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. We'll see you on the next episode of Wingnut Social, your social media tightly
1: fastened. I had a question. I just totally menopaused out. Do the Googles. Jessica, please tell the lis- listeners. <laughs> Bloopers. Wonder why I'm distracted. Wonder why I'm distracted recording this podcast. You know who you are. Where's my notes? I had notes. My brain is like not not on all cylinders today for some strange reason. Again, you know who you are. Good boy, Mango.